If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need Future Proof, the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colner. With me today, I'm pleased to introduce my colleague again, Marcos Alvarez-Martin, our senior SEO analyst at Site Visibility, and also Brighton SEO's lead SEO trainer for the Beginner's Guide to SEO, or the Beginner's Course to SEO. Hello, thank you for having me again. I know that the listeners have been asking for me to come back, so here I am. No, that's a lie. No one has asked ever for me to come back to anywhere. (laughs) In demand. Well, actually, I mentioned there in the intro there, so uh, Brighton SEO trainer for the... What's the course title at Brighton SEO that you host? Um, The Beginner's SEO Training Course or the SEO Fundamentals course. Oh, yeah, SEO Fundamentals. That's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah, so in demand because you've been at Brighton SEO a, a couple of times now. Is it two or three times at, for training there? More, more than that. Wow. I don't, I don't remember. It, it's been uh, a couple of years and every year we do it twice. So make the maths there. Yeah. And as you said, um, yeah, you're a veteran. I would say you're a veteran or, or an honorary member of the podcast now having been on, uh, I think you said three times with me, once with Andy previously. So it's really nice to have you again. And I can't remember, what, what have we discussed in the past? Can you remember? So we discussed uh, a, a migration uh, with one of our uh, of our clients. And then before that, we uh, discussed working remotely because mm. uh, I started working remotely before <laughs> all the madness in the world happened. So I was a pioneer. Yeah, yeah, a pro, a working from home pro. How's that going, by the way, seeing as we covered it on the last podcast? Um, it's going very well. Um, it, usually it's very sunny here in the Canary Islands where I live, uh, but today has been raining. Well, we're talking about a different topic today. We're talking about core yes. web vitals. So I guess with the migration topics that you covered in the past, typically the fundamentals don't change for SEO, but core web vitals is very different. I see it as quite a big change. And we're going to be trying to simplify core web vitals. It is a potentially complex topic. We we were just discussing that before recording. And we wanted to find a way to simplify some of the core element. And for context for anyone listening, we're recording this in mid-April. The episode is probably going to be published at the end of April. And this update is going to start rolling out in May 2021. And so we really need to find a way to give you the critical information that you need 
to understand what core web vitals are all about and how to get started with them. So that's our goal. Before we go into the topic and start breaking down core web vitals, is this something for you, Marcos, that's an exciting update? Is it scary or is it a mix of both? When one of these updates come up, uh, it's always exciting because it's uh, you, you need to learn about something new. With this one, I'm not a, a developer myself. My background is on marketing. So there are some terms that I was very unfamiliar with. And sometimes with these updates, you need to know a bit about coding, about JavaScript files, uh, CSS files, and sometimes it, it, it can be a bit daunting. But we're going to try to to explain what each of these terms are and how we marketers can try to minimize the impact of this update. Yeah, I'd agree with you in that I guess the one thing that stands out to me about this update is that typically when there were search algorithm updates from Google in particular in the past, marketers took them, interpreted them, understood them, and were able to apply them to their roles quite quickly. But core web vitals are a little bit more technical in nature. And so for the non-technical marketers, I imagine the learning curve for understanding core web vitals is difficult. And so in turn, that makes it also difficult to help clients and other non-marketers understand what the update's all about. So that's definitely a an interesting difference between this change and perhaps the search engine algorithm updates previously that we've experienced. And on that note, Marcos, do you just want to try and simplify or summarize, provide an overview of what core web vitals are, maybe when we first learned of them, and maybe put into your own words or maybe summarize from, from Google why they're making this update? Yeah. So I'm going to try to explain it very, uh, very simple, because even when I try to exp- go into the detail, I also confuse myself. So the core web vitals are a set of metrics that helps Google and site owners measuring page experience. So this update is all about page experience and user experience. There are a number of elements that measure this uh, page experience. Those are the web vitals. But then Google is recommending three, in particular, three metrics that are the core web vitals. It was announced one year ago in May 2020. Um, Google said that it was going to be part, it, it was going to be basically a ranking factor. And then in November last year, they confirmed that the, this update will take place in May 2021. The reason why Google is putting this as a ranking factor is because Google always said that they want to provide the best content for the users. And that not only means having the right answer for your query, it also means providing the best user experience. Because if you have good content on the website, but the, the experience is really bad, the website is really slow, and you have a lot of ads appearing here and there, it has happened to all of us. I usually leave the, the page because it's impossible to read the content. And that's what this update is, is all about. In my words, and maybe you can tell me if I'm right or wrong to assume this. So from everything that I've researched and been reading, I, I see it as this real unification or kind of line in the sand moment where Google is saying user experience is critical to search engine rankings moving forward. Now, I feel like they've said that in the past, but this feels a little bit more, this feels clearer. I think that by bringing it into the algorithm, it's like, okay, now it's the, uh, this is the, the big deal. Mm. But yeah, in the, in the past, they have mentioned things like being uh, mobile friendly, 
uh, having a secure website. There have been signals that Google is moving in this direction and they have said that you need to provide a good user experience. But now this is making it official and put it into the algorithm as a ranking factor. Yeah, and the fact that they've referenced it, I think you've used the term as you were talking, but there's the phrase that, that I think they call it the page experience ranking signal, or maybe page experience ranking factor. The fact that they're even using that terminology, it's very rare that you get that kind of open terminology from Google. Only a few times over the years have you got that level of indication from Google, hey, this is going to make a difference to your search engine rankings. And so I think for me, that's maybe what makes it feel a little bit more official. And it's really interesting because over the years, as you've probably experienced yourself, there's always been this crossover between SEO and user experience. So, you know, SEO professionals always have always seemed to have fought the corner, like yourself, for really good page experience. But it seems to have been superseded by this interest in things like links, because that's what's been known, or by page speed or by HTTPS. So are you feeling that shift? And are you happy about that shift to focus more on page experience? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned it that way because in my, uh, in, in the training that I do at, at Brighton SEO and trainings that I have done in other places, I often talk about page experience because I always talk about the, how SEO and PPC can work together, how SEO and content marketing can work together. Mm-hmm. And when I get to page experience, I say in the future, SEO and, and UX professionals, it's going to be one thing. I thought that the the way I was seeing it is that they were getting closer and closer and closer. And now we're in that moment now where you will need to have a UX person in your team because user experience is a ranking factor now. It's official. Mm. Well, that's interesting. It leads nicely to what I wanted to ask you anyway, because from all of the information I've seen from Google, it's been that this is affecting SEO and all of the content that I've seen, particularly the kind of official content from Google has been orientated to search marketers naturally because it's part of the search engine algorithm. But thinking this through, it's not just isolated or it won't just impact SEO analysts, SEO engineers, SEO marketers. It's going to impact other people. As you've just said, it will impact your UX professionals in your team. It will Mm -hmm. impact paid professionals at bare minimum, it will impact them because the communication changes between everyone and, for example, changes to page layouts and so forth. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted to know, in your opinion, is what I've just said, does that resonate with you? Do you see it the same way? Do you think it's going to affect more than just search marketers? Absolutely. And I think all marketers should have the user as the center of their activities, uh, even if you don't work as SEO. Uh, But if you're managing a website, you should be always creating content and creating that website for your user. User should be the center. But when you start thinking about all the disciplines of marketing, like PPC, they have a quality score in in Google Ads. So I wouldn't be surprised if this update then rolls up into Google Ads as well, and it's part of your quality score. But also, one of the things that Google is going to measure, and we're going to talk about that in in a moment, is how uh, the website changes after it, it loads the interactivity of the, of the website, the speed of the website, things like that. And having display ads on a page would impact all of those things. So you need to be smarter on, on how you're presenting those ads in your website. Because if, if you have a lot of ads that are appearing on top of the page, it might impact the, the user experience and your rankings. So you need to be careful. And I'm interested to hear from you as well, Scott. What do you think? How, how it, it will impact not just PPC professionals, but other marketers? Well, it's funny you mentioned the point about 
page experience being tied in with Google Ads because I covered that on a podcast, I'm going to say maybe three, four episodes ago with Frederick Velez. And that's exactly what I thought might happen. And I kind of posed a question to him and we were just discussing that idea. I think it makes total sense that Google have provided so much more information and they've created tools, which I'm sure we got onto as well, to help webmasters and marketers understand more about these core web vitals and how they're impacting users and how your site's performing against them. And so it makes complete sense to me that they would then tie that in with some kind of page experience. Um, yeah, maybe as part of the quality score criteria. So I, I do think that as well. And um, yeah, the, I think the biggest thing for me, though, that stands out is that is this crossover is the communication points is that, you know, you're going to have search marketers now into May for the rest of this year. that are going to be wanting to make changes to website layouts in particular that are going to be wanting to make changes to websites are going to get more involved in the landing page elements. And that's going to impact paid media marketers. You know, we're on this podcast today, maybe trying to simplify this for all marketers. But I think it's important for anyone that's a non-SEO to understand about core web vitals, because they're going to want to know, what, why is this SEO person starting to speak to me more? The UX person in a team might be saying, well, why are the SEO team trying to get involved in UX? Hopefully, as you said, Marcos, you'd hope that team marketing teams out there are working in harmony. But as we know too well, often these teams are quite isolated. Yeah, um, and so in a way, I, I think that this core web vital update will bring teams together, or will force teams together, because you're going to have to consider the cross department impact of this update. So mm -hmm. that's going to be really interesting to me, and I think that's the biggest takeaway for me, which I think is a good thing. In my in my opinion, SEO should be part of uh, different elements of the structure outside mm. of the digital marketing or web team. Uh, the developers need to know a bit about SEO. The PR people need to know about SEO. Now the UX people need to know about the SEO. They need to be aware of these things. And the other thing that's been on my mind, and I don't know, this is more of this is more hope, Marcos. I wonder if this page experience update, I talked about it being a kind of line in the sand, a quite official moment. It's kind of the, maybe the final nail in the coffin for links. So I think links have been such a prominent factor in discussion about SEO for such a long time. But this might be the shift that's required to take the emphasis away from that. And mm -hmm. so that's the other thing that's on my mind, which I think would be, again, I, I think in general will be really good for SEO engineers, marketers in general, and it will help unify a little bit better. Yeah, that's a, a tricky one because links have been a key part of SEO since SEO was a thing. And some marketers really love their links. And there are, there are businesses that are built around around that. And when we saw the first updates, the, the Penguin update in particular, some businesses even crumbled and disappeared because of those updates. Mm. So I still think that people is pushing links. And links are still valuable for other things. Mm -hmm. But links shouldn't be uh, an end for itself. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happened. At, at some point, I think that links will disappear. I don't think that Google like to depend on links so much. But I, I, I'm a bit more skeptical than you. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it will still have uh, a few years away from saying goodbye to, to links. Mm. Just from your standpoint, then, do you think that for the next year or so, do you think that as an S in an SEO role, 
a lot of the SEO engineers, a lot of the SEO marketers out there are going to be focusing on core web vitals as it's going to be at the forefront of their mind throughout most of their work. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that people should start already Mm. making those changes and trying to add their website. Even before Google announced that you should be focusing on user experience first. But I also think that after the update, we might see some changes and Google is, is going to announce uh, changes on the Core Web Vitals because the Core Web Vitals are going to be evolving, Google has said, and they're going to be changing. So we need to change with, sadly, that's the reality of SEOs. We need to change our actions based on what Google said. So I see more more UX jobs being demanded. Yeah. And I will see more interaction between SEO and user experience. You mentioned the rollout there, so and I mentioned it in the intro. So we've known about this for about a year. We know it's rolling out in May. The one thing I don't know, uh, so I'm curious to know if you do, is there a specific date? I know previously Google have said things that will roll out from a certain date, or do we just know that it's May? Uh, I was looking at it yesterday, and I haven't seen a particular date. They say that it will start rolling out in May. Right. Uh, usually Google will let us know when it starts rolling out. So if you follow Danny Sullivan, for example, He's one of the Google employees who tell us when the updates are coming. And it usually will roll out for a few weeks. It depends on the size of the update, maybe a month or maybe more. But they usually are really good at telling us we're starting now and it will roll out for a few weeks. And then when it's done, uh, they will let us know as well. And have Google provided any indication about how quickly will webmasters know if their site's been impacted by this update. And I'll say that in the context of previous updates, Marcos, where, you know, Google have said, you know, this update will roll out. It will affect X amount of searches. And these are kind of the metrics you should check, or this is how you know your site's impacted. What should webmasters be looking at? I've been looking at that uh, this week to see what Google was saying about it. And so some of the Google webmasters said that they don't know. Uh, They don't know how many uh, queries it will impact. They don't know how big the impact will be. So we will see, because it, it also depends on what everyone is doing. So some SEOs are joking that we're not going to see any impact because no one have been able to update, update their website. So we're all going to be impact and nothing will change. Right, right, yeah. But they, they, then Danny Sullivan, again, he said that he doesn't think that it will be a big change. Like if you were ranking in the first position, that you're going to disappear. No, it's going to be more like in those very competitive markets where everyone has a lot of good content, everyone is working on SEO, and it's that really heavy competition where we might see changes if one of the competitors is Core Web Vitals compliant and you are not Core Web Vitals compliant, then you will see your competitor taking over you. But they also said that Core Web Vitals is only one ranking factor of so many Content still matters. Internal linking still matters. The structure links are still there, like it or not. So it's just one of many ranking factors, something to keep in mind. I think an important part of what you're just, what you're saying there is that core web vitals are here to stay as well. So it's part of the search algorithm. Now, this isn't a, this isn't a kind of one off update or this isn't an element that you should fix once and then it's done. This is going to be part of your part of your role now moving forward. It's going to be something that you continuously refer to. And I assume 
that Core Web Vitals are going to be updated over time as well. I haven't seen any information from Google. Again, we had that information a year ago. We've had information over the last year, but that's my assumption. And am I right in saying what I've just said there, Marcos, that Core Web Vitals are a part of the search algorithm and we expect them to be updated over time? Yes, they're here to stay. They're not uh, one of change. And Google has said that they're going to be evolving, that they're probably going to be changing over time. So we continue to keep an eye on those as well. This is the tough part of the podcast. So we're going to try and break down the Core Web Vitals in a little bit more detail, explain what they are, what are most important, and whether you should focus on some, maybe more than others. So do you want to start, Marcos? And what I'll try and do is I'll bring it back to trying to simplify things as we're talking. And um, we probably won't go too granular in this podcast, Maybe what we can do towards the end or later or in the show notes is linked to some more advanced resources for some of the people out there that want that. But for now, let's maybe go through an overview about what the Core Web Vitals actually are. Yeah, let me grab some water now because Google likes to use strange words that non-English speakers can barely <laughs> pronounce. <laughs> Which, ones? Which ones are difficult? All of them. Almost all of them. <laughs> well, so don't make Intru- fun of me when in- I try. Intrusive to... interstitials is a tough one. Intrusive oh, and... interstitial, largest contentful pain. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I, uh, um, it's so funny because I always, I know what these things are. I've obviously read about them, but I keep forgetting. I cannot remember them. If someone were to ask me on the spot, I'd always forget them. So I'm glad you've written them down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's try to uh, break them down a bit. So Google already had some user experience elements as ranking factors, as we said before. We had the mobile friendliness, having safe browsing, having HTTPS websites, and having the intrusive interstitials, which is when you are on a website trying to read the content and suddenly a pop-up will appear and it blocks when your journey on the website. That's bad user experience. And that's something that Google was penalizing before. But now we have the three metrics that made the core web vitals. Those three metrics have to do with the loading of the website, how quickly it loads, the interactivity of the website, how responsive it is, and the visual stability of the website. And I will explain what that is in a, in a minute. Let's just start with the loading of the website. What we usually refer as page speed when we're measuring the page speed. Google is, is measuring this now. Uh, with uh, something called Largest Contentful Paint, or LCP. And this is the time that it takes for the page largest image or text block to become visible within the viewport. So we, we shouldn't confuse Largest Contentful Paint with First Contentful Paint, because First Contentful Paint is the time it takes for you to see something on the screen, while Largest Contentful Paint, which is what Google is using, is the time it takes for the biggest element of the website to appear on screen. And it's usually an image, but it can be other things. Um, so Google is recommending the time for this uh, largest element should be less than 2.5 seconds to be considered good. If it takes more than four seconds, it will be considered poor. So you need to make sure that this element loads as fast as possible. It should be the first thing that it loads on the website or one of the first thing that it loads. Then the next metric is it measures interactivity how responsive your website is when you click a button or when you tap somewhere. And this is measured by a metric called first input delay. And it's the time it takes for the browser to begin processing the event uh, when you do an action. So how long it takes since you click until you start seeing uh, a response. 
So Google is recommended uh, less than 100 milliseconds to be considered good and more than 300 milliseconds, it will be considered poor. So that's something that you also need to be aware of, not just how quickly your website loads, but how quickly the users will see a response when they are clicking around. And finally, the last element, it measures the visual stability. What this refers is when you are on a website, you load it and you start browsing it and you want to click on a button and then suddenly an image or an ad will load and it will move all the content down and then you click in the wrong place. I think that that has happened to all of us at some point, especially on mobile, and that's bad user experience. And that's what this element is measuring. And it's measured by the Cumulative Layout Shift, or CLS. And there's a score that Google assigns, and this is based not only on if there, there are elements moving when the page loads, but also the distance that it moves. It's not the same if it's a small move because there's a small icon that has load, than if a big image loads and everything is moved down a lot. So this score, if it's less than 0.1, then that's good. That's what Google is recommending. And more than 0.25, it it will be considered poor. So those are the three core web vitals. So one measures how quickly your website loads. The second measures the interactivity, how quickly since you click or make an action on the website until you see a response. And the last one, uh, it's visual stability. Does the page shifts after uh, you have landed on the page? Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Good job in trying to simplify and summarize some of those because that's really difficult. Uh, Marcos and I were just joking. We, I don't think we'll probably, this will make the podcast, but we were joking about how Google introduces terminology that's kind of always really, it's always a mouthful. So it's difficult as a podcaster. And for Marcos as a non-native English speaker, it's difficult to kind of go through that sometimes. So thanks for that, Google. A couple of key points that come to mind. And again, uh, maybe Marcos, you might have to bring me back to simplifying this. So make sure that I don't go off on a tangent, but couple of key things to keep in mind, I think, for listeners. And let me know if you agree or not as I go through some of these. Those core web vitals that you've just noted there, combined with those user experience elements that you noted previously, such as the mobile friendliness, safe browsing, HTTPS, and intrusive interstitials, they make up the page experience ranking signal that we mentioned earlier. Exactly. So those all those elements together, the ones that Google previously have, and these new uh, metrics, 
will be included in the algorithm as the page experience signals. I think it was just important to recognize that there's a difference between Core Web Vitals, those user experience elements that you mentioned, and the fact that combined, they make up the page experience rankings. Yeah, so that's one thing that comes to mind. And the second thing, as you were talking, I realized before you were asking me and we were discussing, who does this impact beyond just SEO professionals? Well, the big one that we didn't discuss there really was developers because the SEO and development crossover, which is, you know, we've often discussed on this podcast how important that is. That's really more important than ever, right? Yeah. So uh, sometimes the developers will not know why we're making these changes, mm. why we want to move things around. Uh, they want to improve page speed, but they don't understand why we need to focus on this particular element because they're looking at things like uh, servers the responsiveness of the server, the JavaScript files, the CSS files, and all those things help. But sometimes I think there's a, a level of communication and education that SEOs need to do with developers and with other areas of the business to explain why or are those things important and why we need to focus on this thing or this other thing. Yeah, so I guess my plea, my recommendation to business owners, website owners, is make sure there's a strong communi- yeah, strong communication between developers and your SEO professionals. That's going to be key to the performance of your website moving forward. But I think the other thing that that means is that both in preparation for this year, but then in preparation for next year, Marcos, and moving forward, is that budget assigned to web development is going to be really important because there are going to need to be changes that the marketing department are going to need to make to the website, to, well, particularly the SEO departments, to ensure the sustainability of SEO performance over time. And that will only be achieved if you invest in your website and invest in these areas of development. So I guess that's another key principle that comes to mind for me is that, tell me what you're thinking from your position at the moment. But I think I would be quite worried if I was an SEO professional and I didn't have any developer relationship or that I knew that my client didn't have the budget to make website updates over these next couple of years. Yeah, and that's uh, a big worry for me. So when we start talking about with a new client, one of the questions I always ask is, who are your developers? Who is making technical changes on the website? What is the level of knowledge of SEO? And the, the sad truth is that we need the developers to make those changes for us. It's the, the other key thing is that sometimes the SEO requests get delayed because there are other uh, development changes that are happening. So that's why it's important to have a technical roadmap, understand what is happening and when, and prioritize the different changes that are coming into the website. Because they might think that uh, changing how a certain element appears on the website, it's, it's not a big change. And it might not be on many websites, but it will impact uh, your ability to rank. It will impact the traffic coming to the website. And obviously, it will impact how many people is converting and buying from your website. So at the end, it's it's also important to keep an eye on the SEO changes that we're requesting. And I'm going to go into now asking you to speak practically about the marketers that are out there how they can get started with this. So how can they benchmark their current performance against these core web vitals that we've discussed? 
and how then can they start to improve them? And I'll just, for context, we won't go into this in detail, but I am aware, Marcos, and maybe this helps set you up, that there are two ways in which Google is collecting and providing data for Core Web Vitals. The first is field test data, which is the data that's actually being collected from users about their interactions on your website. And the second is through tools that Google are providing and data that Google are providing in Google Search Console directly to you so you can produce on-demand reports about your performance. So do you maybe want to take it from there and talk about how people can get started, how people can benchmark their performance and what your recommended first steps are with this? Yeah, Google have been um, providing a number of tools for marketers to start measure the core web vitals. And one of the key places to start is Google Search Console, which now includes uh, core web vital reports. You can then view the, the core web vitals for both mobile and desktop and see for which of the, of the metrics I, I discussed before uh, you will need to take action. And it will include which ones are in the in the poor threshold, which ones are on the good threshold, and which ones are in the middle. And it will give you examples of pages that are in that threshold. So that that's a good starting point. But then you will need to visit one of the other platforms that Google has created to see how to improve them. So the one I like to use is the the PageSpeed Insights platform, and we're going to be linking to all these tools as part of the episode. In, in PageSpeed Insights, you will see the, the field data that you were mentioning, but you will also see recommendations on how to improve certain things. Some of them will be very uh, generic. It will not, they will not necessarily be tied to a particular core web vital, a particular metric, but in, in general, they, they are there to improve the page speed of your website. So you can go and apply those recommendations. It, they usually have to do with images, with big images that you will need to to reduce, compress, optimize, and uh, in some cases, those one of those images will be the largest contentful element of the website. So that's how you can improve largest contentful paint. But it will also show you which are the files, the JavaScript files or the CSS files that are slowing down the website. Um, in PageSpeed Insights, you can also find. Uh, what is the largest content on, on your website. Um, but you will have all the recommendations uh, that Google is making there. Then in addition to that, you can also use Chrome DevTools. This is something that Google has added to, to their DevTools in Chrome. You can go to the Performance tab, and then you will have an option to run a Core Web Vital test. In When you load the website with that Performance tab uh, option activated, you will see uh, one of those uh, waterfall reports uh, and it will show you which are the elements that are slowing down the website. It will show you if there's a, a visual change on the website, uh, one of those uh, cumulative layout shifts that I mentioned before. And you can use that as well to see which are the elements that are blocking your website. And uh, if you want to use something else, there are also a number of Chrome extensions that you can use and when you visit one of the pages on the website and you load it, it will tell you what is the score for each of the metrics. So you can quickly browse it by browsing your website or your competitor's website. You can see which areas you will need to focus to fix your own metrics or what your competitors are doing. In terms of third-party tools, Marco, so 
I think I saw Deep Crawl roll out a core web vitals. I can't remember what it was, whether it was a guide or whether it was in a, in a kind of a product extension that integrates some of this data, and makes it more easily accessible. Are you seeing that more now? Um, have you seen that for any other tools? Yes, and there are a number of page experience, page speed tools that are also included in these core web vitals because what they previously do were just showing those waterfall reports and telling you which elements were loading first and which elements you will need to optimize. And they are starting to incorporate these uh, metrics that Google has bring or has starting to mention. So I, I think that that's something that we're going to see more in all the tools in general. I haven't seen what DeepCrawl has has brought up particularly, but that's something that I expect to see for many of the tools. I think Screaming Frog was also bringing a lot of functionalities that you can tie in with, with PageSpeed Insights. So you can crawl your website and you can see the PageSpeed Insights score for all of the pages that you crawl in. So I'm, I'm hoping to see more of that. And in terms of when this rolls out and what people should pay attention to, so uh, I guess an easy way to ask this question, Marcos, is for you and for our clients at Site Visibility, does it change the metrics that you're looking at? Of course, you're going to be looking at the metrics related to the core web vitals that we reference in the podcast, but in terms of understanding whether overall your search visibility has is improving or declined or how it's impacted by this, what are you going to be paying attention to? So the, the the main thing to keep in mind is that if you are monitoring Google Search Console as part of your daily, weekly, or monthly checks, you should include the, the core web vital elements to make sure that you are not going back into the pool threshold, see how that is evolving. But also in terms of measuring the impact of this uh, update, uh, I will ask you to wait a bit because sometimes it takes time for these updates to fully roll out, but continue monitoring your usual metrics, things like index pages, clicks, sessions, users. I wouldn't focus too much in rankings, just looking at rankings, because when there's a Google update like this, the rankings tend to fluctuate a lot. In a matter of days, you can see your ranking position to go down and then go up again, and sometimes when you see the, the rankings are going down, you want to try to fix it. You want to react to the, to that. But maybe that's just Google uh, testing the waters. I, it, it might come up immediately after that, and you were making changes and wasting time trying to identify what happened. So just keep calm and keep measuring the, the metrics that really matter, the traffic coming to your website, your index pages, the conversions, all of those things. And I will also keep an eye on competitors to see what, what's happening with them. It might be nice to see how the the, the competitor rankings drop. Although I just said that not, do not look at your rankings, but it's difficult to measure the impact on your competitors unless you look at things like visibility from a, a specific tool or rankings. But for your own metrics, just look at sessions, index pages, clicks, all those things. And to close out the episode today, so... You've given some advice there about where to start. Well, I think we have, we've tried our best to simplify some of this in this episode, but I'm really interested to get into your, uh, where you're at in your mind and your mental approach to this, Marcos, because as I said, I think it's quite a big change. I think it's a fundamental shift in the role of the SEO professional and what they have to focus on. And I think it's here to stay. And so this is quite a loaded question, but I'm interested to know 
how you've adapted or how you're adapting. So, you know, what skills are you trying to learn? What resources have helped you on your way? And then can you point to anything or elaborate on anything on the day-to-day basis that you're doing to try and make the core web vitals and all of this that we've discussed today part of your day-to-day role and at the forefront of your mind? Well, what a question. What a question. (laughs) Um, Reading a lot uh, because it's something very new. It requires a lot of reading and I'm going to include some uh, resources that I found useful myself. I prefer to go directly to the original source. I prefer to read Google's statements about it instead of reading other websites that are just summarizing what Google said because I like to hear what what Google has to say and then I will read the the summarized version. I try to incorporate PageSpeed in my my conversations with clients, in my conversations with uh, developers, trying to provide an education because sometimes uh, you will get a more stronger knowledge on a particular topic when you try to explain it to others. I have in for certain documents that, that we had internally, like the, the technical SEO audit that I run for our clients, we had a specific section for page speed for mobile and desktop. I have ad- adapted those documents to include the, the rest of the core vital elements to make sure that not only we're looking at page speed, we're looking at all of them at the same time. When I speak with uh, developers, I try to provide resources, but sometimes it, it's difficult for them to read it. So I try to explain it to them what I am trying to do and why are these important. I'm trying to explain to clients why these are important as well. And in general, when I'm, I'm reviewing the, the impact of our work, I also consider page speed. I was considering page speed before, but now I'm also going to start considering Core Web Vitals when they start rolling out. Because now there are some things that are very easy to change, like pop-ups that may appear and may move the, the content on the screen down that might have an impact on SEO. So I'm more open to the things that I check. Before I was all uh, focusing on the on screen frog and the crawl and those uh, metrics that the crawl was giving me. But now I need to also sit and look at the screen and think of what I'm seeing and consider the, the user experience and the user journey. So it's, it's making that switch from just looking at the technical elements to look at the visual elements as well. And just to close, as difficult as all that is and as complex as some of this is and as big a change as it is, are you excited about the future of the role of the SEO professional? No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I always love to learn about new things. And user experience and web design, it's something that has always been in the background, something I wanted to learn more. I think this is the best time to do it. Uh, I should have started before, but I have to start with web development first. And now I'm moving on to, to web design. But yeah, I'm really excited to of mixing SEO with other areas of digital marketing. Hmm. Yeah, we won't, we won't go into too much detail on that topic in this episode, but one really fascinating aspect for me is I think it is such a big change in the role, but I don't I don't feel that there should be an extra pressure on SEO professionals to become developers. Now, of course, we've spoken on this podcast before about how that, of course, those the understanding web design, development, programming, that those skills can help you as a marketer. But there are plenty of amazing non-technical marketers out there that don't have those skills and so i think for me the overriding message is it's way more important to have developers 
and SEOs on the same page and having really good and clear communication channels than it is to put extra pressure on your SEO professionals to become developers. Yeah, and even if uh, you put in a in a room a lot of SEOs, each of them will have different set of skills. Some of them will have mm. more of a marketing background. Some of them will have more of a design and content background, and some of them will be more technical. So the the role of SEO, I think, it's constantly evolving, and now it's also branching into a lot of different areas. I can see an SEO department with one person that it's more uh, a content specialist, someone that is more a technical specialist and someone that is more like a design specialist. And it's really exciting to see what what's coming next. Thanks so much for your time today, Marcos. I'm go- Before I let you go, do you want to let our listeners know where they can find out more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, uh, you can email me at marcos.martin at sitevisibility.com. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Mark Okami. That is M-A-R-K-O-O-K-A-M-I. That means, Okami means wolf in Japanese. Uh, you can also find me in LinkedIn, as Marcos Alvarez Martin. Um, who knows, maybe you will, you will hear me again in, in the podcast in the future. <laughs> I'm almost certain of that. And the only other thing I'd recommend to our listeners, if you're struggling with Core Web Vitals, that you're not too sure where to start, maybe by the time this episode rolls around, it's, it's around the corner and you need some support, reach out to us. Hopefully you can tell from this episode that we see it as a big change in this space. We're plenty curious. We're working hard to imp- implement and advise our clients in terms of Core Web Vitals. And so we'd like to help you too. And so you can go to our website at sitevisibility.co.uk or you can reach us on LinkedIn and all of the other social platforms. For now, I just say thanks again, Marcos, and this has been the Internet Marketing Podcast. If you want to understand how marketing is changing and how that will affect your brand, you need future proof the podcast from Kantar that tells you how to find growth. Created in conjunction with Side Business School at Oxford University, the Future Proof podcast provides a unique perspective on what truly makes a difference. To understand what's winning in marketing, subscribe to Future Proof, a Kantar podcast now. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK.